0: Good morning. morning. Welcome. We ask that you come in and find a seat. we got some announcements this morning before we uh, open in song. Um, prayer meeting will be tonight. That's at 6 o'clock, I believe. Uh, so prayer meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, special announcement for Junior Church. When we dismiss Junior Church today, we're going to dismiss the 3-year-olds through 3rd grade. If you're in 4th through 7th grade, you're going to stay right here in the sanctuary with the exception of the couple folks that have been asked to help. All right. Um, if you're interested in becoming a member of Harmony Baptist Church, please call the church office. Baptisms are being planned for July the 23rd. Young at Heart will be celebrating the 4th of July on July 3rd, which is Tuesday. Sign-up sheet is in the foyer. And July 3rd, Monday. What? It's Monday. Monday, tomorrow. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> Today's Sunday. <laughs> uh, we'll be hosting a meet and greet with the Chris. They're the missionaries from Thailand. That will be next Sunday following the church service. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. We'd really like to encourage you uh, to come out and be a part of that. Um, it's a lunch. You get an opportunity to meet some of the missionaries that we support, um, you know, to support them, to encourage them, as well as encourage each other as well. If you're reading the Daily Bible, you should be on page... Three eighty-three. If you're reading the ebook, you should be on March 25th. I think that's everything. All right, let's stand and we'll uh, open and worship together. You guys, ready? Let's right. go, time. That's right. One, two, three, four.
1: The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be saved Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me our chaos back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the king of glory, the king above all kings, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of Above all this is amazing race. this is unfailing Sing.
0: We'll sing days of Elijah.
1: There's no like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like
0: Lift up your name this morning as we sing to you. Or we open our hearts, we open our hands to you, we open our ears, we open our minds. Lord, be with us as we pray. Lord, be with us as we sing and as we worship. church, you are dismissed. And please be seated.
2: Everyone, let us pray. Lord, I ask you to humble us today.
0: We are here before your throne.
2: You've given us this day. Lord, let us love you like like you love us. You've blessed us with so much, and we give you back just a little. So I ask for... Your continued support of this church and this family, this
0: congregation together, and, and the children as they go. please be with us this day. Amen. We just invite you to join us as uh, the plates pass.
2: But I am going to answer a couple, and um, I don't. Uh, well, they'll catch up on it. <laughs> We're in the Daily Bible, and so what I decided to do this summer is three things every week. One, I won't do it today much. I'm going to do this part in the sermon, but I want to do a little bit of leading from up front in terms of communicating. The things we need to do if we're going to become strong and healthy and grow. Okay, so we'll be talking about that every week. I'll just call it housekeeping. We'll talk about housekeeping. This is broken. That's broken. This is going well. This is what we need to put more water on let it grow better. Things like that. Is that all right with you? Doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyway. Um, Number two... Uh, I will address a few Q&A's because I'm way backlogged. Some of you sent me questions a long time ago and you went, you know, what happened to them? Well, I haven't forgotten. I keep everything in a file. I either answer you directly on email if I have a minute. I try to do that. Otherwise, I say, you know what, that's such a good question. I'm going to unpack that in church. So, you know, vacationers this weekend. Anyway... They might miss the answer but they can always go back to the podcast so all right uh so i'm going to do that and then since we're in the daily bible which has been you know i i believe there's phenomenal stories we've been going through right phenomenal i mean it's just been great and uh it's provoked questions and there are illustrations from from our spiritual life in there and uh, so I'm going to unpack at least one lesson every week from the Daily Bible. So starting today, it'll be the Daily Bible series, all right? We're going to be working our way through that. So that's what the Daily Bible looks like. Let me answer a couple of questions first. The first one I have to cheat on, it's actually going all the way back to the Ten Commandments series. Remember that? It was ancient history, wasn't it? It like, it was my last series anyways. It wasn't too far back. Uh, it was the, um, the discussion of worshiping God. You might remember the quote that I used, the little joke about how we treat God sometimes. Stan Stan says, my wife treats me like I'm a god. Remember that? How many men want to say that? That's right, my wife treats me like... Anyway, sorry. Steve, so she worships, honors, and obeys you? Stan, no, she ignores me until she wants something. <laughs> Which is how we treat God a lot, right? All right, so here was the question. Sabbath, how much trouble are we in? In Exodus 31, Moses instructs the Israelites to observe the Sabbath day or be put to death. How have we gotten so far away from those instructions? Well, starting next week. No, not really. No, because I think the reason we get so far, some of it is historical some of it for us in our generation is cultural it really is our culture god doesn't exist anymore so sunday is not anything special any longer or it's special for other things but it wasn't always that way even in the church even in the church and in the church in america in early america the sabbath was taken very seriously a day to set apart for god so let me just say because of grace we're not executed thank you jesus Also, we're not under law as if it was a sin for some people not to be here this weekend when they're traveling and seeing other people in their families or whatever it might happen to be. However, if you know my little catchphrase, pendulumitis, my little word I make up, we tend to go from mistakes on this end of the spectrum, we swing our pendulum way over to this end of the spectrum and do equally opposite destructive things. And I think that certainly happened with the, uh, with the issue of the Sabbath. Let me just say this, that um, some of our, our um, decisions in that impact the church, which is part of my housekeeping I'll need to address. It impacts the church and its effectiveness. It impacts our relationship with Christ, whether we're really worshipers or not. It's impacting us as well. And so let me just encourage you that if you haven't already heard it, and probably if you missed that Sunday, you didn't hear it, Go back to the podcast for June 4th where I talked about the um, Little Conviction, L-I-D-D-E-L-L, named for Eric Little, the racer, uh, runner, who refused to run in the Olympics in 1917, 14, I can't remember the exact year, huh? Whatever it was, it was back then. Anyway, I already preached that sermon, so I don't have to remember that today, right? So, go back and listen to that. And um, my opinion is, I think some of us are sinning in that regard. So, next. Ten Commandments. Belated Ten Commandment question. This, this actually isn't. This came out of reading. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 14, and 19, 8-10 in the Daily Bible, it says, An evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul... Anybody read that part? You went through that. What on earth is that about? Well, obviously it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I hope you figured that much out anyway, right? Hello? Anybody home? Okay. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Can you tell me how it is that the Lord can slash would send an evil spirit? It's a great question. What does that mean? Let me tell you another story. There's a story in the Old Testament where... God wants to bring judgment on the Israelites because they are sinning rabidly against him. And so he sends a prophet to the king and the prophet says, listen, I had a vision and I I saw in the heavenly realm a bunch of angelic beings discussing things. And God said, listen, I need a deceiving spirit to go down and deceive the Israelites so they go to battle so they can lose. It's in there. You'll be getting there eventually. We're, get, we're working up to that kind of a section. So one spirit said this, and another spirit said that, and then one step forward and said, I know how to do this. I'll be a deceiving spirit. I'll go down into the mouth of their prophets and tell them, go up and win the battle. You're going to win when they're really not going to win. So guess what? They listened to the deceiving spirit. It came true. What on earth is that all about? Well, it really depends on whether you're a sovereignist. First of all, let me ask you several things. You have to believe that what the Bible says about the worldview is true. Do you believe that there are spirit beings? I mean, people, they're really big on angels these days. They don't get it right, but they're big on angels, so they must believe in some spirit beings. Are there spirit beings? Yes, there are. There are heavenly angels, and there are demonic spirits. Is God sovereign? Does he know what he's doing? Yes. Is he working all things for good ultimately? Horrible, horrible things happen in the world, there's no question. And he's not pleased with that. But he will allow certain things to work for his purposes. And one of those is if I choose to rebel against God, I'll allow you to have the consequences of your rebellion come down on you. You remember King uh, Saul who wanted to kill David? And he was desperate to know what the mind of the Lord was, so he went to a... Anybody remember? A witch, a medium, which is condemned by God. And so there was like almost the final straw, if you will, in his rebellion. God said, okay, you can do that if you want. But the consequence will be deception will come down upon you. And you will suffer the consequences. So some of what happened here with this thing with Saul was it was self-inflicted. This man gave into his pride, his insecurity he was threatened by david he wanted to put an innocent righteous man to death that was david that he was pursuing and god said okay i'll keep letting you out on your leash letting you out on your leash letting you, letting the enemy attack you by the way that has no application for us today does it that was a little joke and some of you got it james says submit to god what does it say? Submit to God. Come on, somebody knows. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So they, they used to use these illustrations, especially teaching young people, you know, about avoiding sin. There's an umbrella, right? The umbrella of protection. You ever heard that? You guys don't get out a lot, do you? Okay, so the, the umbrella of protection. God says, bring yourself under my authority and there's protection for you. So God says, submit to me, resist the devil, he'll flee from me. So we think, oh, I'm going to resist the devil without submitting. Yeah, what about this issue in your life? I don't care. I don't want to deal with that. Fine. You're out from under the umbrella. Thunk, thunk, thunk. Hello, McFly. Okay, anybody? You got it. So we, we expose ourselves to the onslaught of the enemy's attack by rebelling, by bringing ourselves out from under the protective authority of the king. Does that make sense? The same thing was true in this particular case. And so somehow God allows, okay, I know, you're, I know, he, he, you know he's got authority over the angelic beings, even the demonic beings. I know you, Satan, and I know your work is you just can't wait to get a hold of that guy. Okay, in this case, I'm going to let you go at it, have at it, see what happens. Okay, so there's a couple of questions. And actually, that one is quite appropriate for the passage that we'll be looking at today, which is uh, basically a great story in the scripture. So let me move up to my next slide, which got messed. I, I want you to know that your pastor is so famous that other preachers steal my sermons, and my sermon titles. Did you know that? I'm making a joke, but I wonder sometimes because this is my title, but Adrian, where did you find it? Yeah, Google, but who, who preached it? Who did it? I mean, I want to know that it's someone like Swindoll or, you know, yeah. Bill Hybels, you know, some of Billy Graham, he's on the way out. How about his son, maybe? You know, he's... he. Ah. I don't know. People, cut. they think, did you steal that? No, they're stealing from me, I'm telling you. I really, I never plagiarize. If I ever read anything or use anything, I always tell you where I got it. I always do, okay? So somebody robbed me, and I'm really mad. But I'll forgive them because that's what good Christians do. Anyway. When God Gets It Wrong. Did you hear the story of the guy? This is a true story. Some people will think it's an urban legend. He was a new Christian. He was all excited. He was witnessing to some young lady in Southern California who just couldn't quite bring herself to believe that God loved her particularly. And so she was from a colder climate, didn't like the heat. Boy, do I relate. And... Uh, She wanted snow. It's Southern Cal. And this goofball asked God to send snow in Southern California. And the next morning, guess what was on the ground? Pollution. No, snow. I mean, why would God listen to some nutcase like that? Thank you. Do we believe that kind of stuff? If you don't believe it, it's a story that comes from Erwin McManus, if you've never heard of him. His book, Uprising, big church called Mosaic out in California, booming, winning 20-somethings and on into the kingdom of heaven. He's a crazy man. I'm so jealous. I'm only semi-crazy. but keep working on it. (laughs) That's a true thing. And it's not unlike... The story that we're looking at today, and I asked you last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, to think about the father of the hero of our story. It's the story of Judges six, Gideon. This guy, if you haven't—that's what he looks like. (laughs) Somebody went back in a time machine, took a picture of Gideon. Man, how evolution has changed us, right? He sure looks like a cartoon character. Anyway, super book, right? It's—he's famous. What has he got in his hand there? Fleece, right? So he's got this piece of wool, a section of, um, of hide from one of his lambs or a ram. And uh, he's got that. And he's so insecure. He puts the fleece out and asks God to make everything on the ground dry but the fleece wet. If you really are the one who told me to go kick the Midianites out of our territory, they were the oppressing army, the enemy... If that's really true, make this happen. And God does it. It's like snow in southern Cal. And then he's so stinking, stubborn, and nervous. I mean, this guy's a wuss. You, you don't know where I'm going, do you? You're all looking at me like, "No, I'm not really sure yet, Lord. Don't, don't be upset with me, because you do this again only in reverse. This time, let the ground be soaking wet and the the fleece dry as can be. And God said, no, you're done. No, that's not what happened. Who knows what happened? He did it. And everything God said was going to happen actually happened. So God uses that to reassure an insecure Christian to obey him. Ooh. It's too bad that the Old Testament isn't relevant to us at all today because I just really have nothing else to say. We're going to pray and go home. Not really. So, by the way, can I just mention, you've all, in fact, this is so famous even in the world, we use the expression, I'm going to put out a fleece, right? Should I buy that car? Here's how I do it. I get a salesman pressuring me. Oh, this baby is beautiful. This car will not be here tomorrow. If you don't buy it right now, it won't be here tomorrow. My reaction is always, yes, you're right. It won't be here tomorrow, but it won't be in my driveway either. See you later. (laughs) It's a fleece. If I say, you know what? If it's here two weeks from now, maybe you'll give me a better price, and I'll come in, and if God wants me to have it, he'll arrange it. And I don't care if somebody else drives it off the lot. Can you trust the sovereignty of God like that? Yes, I think you can. We all use fleeces, but let me just make one thing clear about fleeces. We use it more like astrology or palm reading or using dice or something like that. Oh, if this happens, then that. Why did Gideon put out a fleece? Because he already knew what God had said. He already knew what the will of God was. He was asking for confirmation. He already knew. So when we're like, oh, I don't know what the will of God is, take a quarter, whoo, heads, huh? Yeah. It's confirmation, and God sometimes mercifully, gesundheit, mercifully gives us that assurance. But let me talk about God getting it all wrong. I think God got it totally wrong in this story, if you haven't read it. In our, da- in our, our Bible from the seats in front of you, if you want to use it, it's page 257 is chapter 6. And in the Daily Bible, I went back and checked all the language and where the language is a little different. I'll mention it because some of it's kind of fun the way it was changed. But the first thing about God getting everything wrong is or when he gets it wrong is because God is so mean. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how mean God is? He's so irritating. For example, here's how the story begins. God shows up. The angel of the Lord is probably an epiphany, if you will, a manifestation of the second person of the Trinity, the angel of the Lord, pre-incarnational manifestations of God in the flesh, if you will, in a fleshly way, so to speak. It's miraculous, like an angel. And so he shows up and he says to Gideon, you might remember, you love this, don't you? Hail, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. And we can just remember the cartoons are you men or mice and all the, all the guys go "I
1: mean squeak 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 you know
2: <laughs> we're all mice." You know, he goes, "Huh, who me? What? Anybody read the story? Anybody up to date on that? I know some of us are way behind. I'm not going to punish anybody. No one's going to fail today. Okay? You all get extra credit cuz you came today everyone else is out partying, you know. He comes to Gideon. Gideon is hiding in a winepress threshing out wheat. Usually you do it out in the field. He's in a wine press. Why? Because he's hiding from the Midianites trying to save some food. The angel of the Lord comes and says, hail valiant warrior. Um, you're a strong warrior. Uh, the Lord is with you. And here's Gideon's reaction. Now what? There we go. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, now the uh, Daily Bible, I like it better it, on this one. He goes, "Pardon me, <laughs> uh, excuse me, uh, could you repeat that, please, oh my Lord, pardon me, if the Lord is with us, you, do you remember the Star Trek where there was a an alien trying to play God and they wanted to steal the the spaceship you know the, the i 'm sorry that 's where I live, you know what can I say? And, and Captain Kirk steps up to this being that's making believe he's has gone. He says, excuse me, why does God need a starship? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't question the Almighty. I know that, but excuse me, why does God need a starship? <laughs> that's Gideon right here. Wait a minute, maybe I missed something here. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? Interesting. God says to him, singular, I went back and checked the Hebrew. The Lord is with you, singular. He says, well, if the Lord's with us, but that's not what he said anyway, because right now the Lord isn't with us until we get back on task. He's not. Behold, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? We heard about the Red Sea. All the nations still talk about that. Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And I love the angel's response to that. Dude, go in this your strength and deliver Israel, huh? How come you're not with us? We're all messed up. You're not helping us. That's what I'm, now, that's what I'm talking about. The angel says, yeah, you're right on. Why is he responding like that? Because he understands that Gideon gets it. Gideon gets that there's something wrong. Something's broken here. Go, in this your strength, and deliver Israel. He probably recognized some of what the earlier portions of the passages in Judges tell us. Why is it like this? Because the children of Israel followed the Lord all the days of Joshua and the elders of his generation. And then another generation grew up who did not know the mighty acts of God. They did not know the Lord and they worshiped and served the Baals. Here's exactly what it says. They provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served the Baal and the Ashtoreth. These um, uh, fertility gods. Baal. And all the female counterparts, Ashtaroth, which were plural. That's a plural word, the O-T-H on the end. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. God is so mean. Right? He's so mean. Just as he promised them. It's no different than a parent who says, you do that again, you're restricted to your room for a week. And of course, hateful parents follow through on that and make that child suffer in their room where they have everything for a whole week. The parent who doesn't love his child lets him do whatever he wants. And the kid feels rejected and says, where are my boundaries? And then we wonder why they get into all kinds of trouble. We're no different. He promised them this is what's going to happen. You're bringing yourself out from under the umbrella of protection. Didn't I say something about that a few minutes ago? I thought so. And what happens when you come from out from under the umbrella of protection? A bang a-bang, a-bang, a bang Now, this is hardcore warfare type stuff. In our lives, it's warfare. It's just more subtle. Although the days we're living in, it might become more literal. But it's warfare. We're under attack. We're oppressed because we rebel. We don't listen. And then we get mad because he's so mean. See, one of the things we get wrong is we think that grace kind of smooths over everything. And thank God for grace. By the way, I want to do a whole series on grace because Derek Balaam told me I should. That was the word of the Lord, and I I really do think it was. So we're going to get to that. Yes, hear him. Hear him over there. Amen. (laughs) Hurry up. Anyway. But here's here's what we get confused about, is that God doesn't suspend the laws of the universe because of his grace. God may forgive me that I acted foolishly with a knife and I cut three of my fingers off, but grace might forgive me, but my fingers aren't going to grow back. Those laws are not going to be abridged or broken because I'm... Oh, uh, well, where's your grace, Lord? Where's your grace? Where's your brain is what he's asking. Oh, he's so mean. No, we're often, and I'm saying this, brethren, sometimes as believers, we're harvesting the fruit of our own sowing, and we're mad at God. You got it wrong. Number one, he's so mean. Number two, God is so uncool. That's your second fill-in if you want to fill him in however many of you do that. He is so uncool. What's the word today? I don't think they use cool anymore, do they? He's such a tool. Isn't that what they say now? A dope, a nerd, a doofus, whatever. I mean, God is so uncool. What's a, is that not the right word? What's the right, what's the word on the street now? I need to know. Inquiring minds want to know. What is it? Lit. Lit. Lit? Oh, it's lit. So he's so unlit. <laughs> she doesn't know that one. I'm going to stick with tool. Okay. So, huh? You all with me? You know what I'm saying? He's so uncool. God is so uncool. Let me show you how uncool he is. Right? So here's what happens I asked you if you were reading on from the last assignment the story of Gideon. Did anybody tune in to his dad? Okay. Who tuned in to his dad? what happened there all right so let save your answer okay here we go so here's the mighty warrior the lord is with you hail valiant warrior go take your father's oxen and and your your threshing thing and go down go down there and Pull down the altar of Baal. There's a statue of Ashereth and the Baal and the altar. Tear it down and offer a sacrifice to me on top of that place. And he goes, "Dude, I'm so ready." No, he goes, Shh, "Guys, come on, let's go. Sneak out at night with flashlights, you know." They, they, go, they go, down, they tear it down, they sneak back and hope nobody saw us. Hey, did you did you have a tail? No, 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 no. He's gone. Did you turn off the surveillance camera? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) He sneaks out at night and does it. Here we got another manifestation of this guy's personality, right? I, I don't know about you. I know you're way beyond what I'm about to say. You're far more advanced. I relate to this guy so freaking much. It's so bad. I really do. He's so uncool. He tears down the altar of Baal. The next day, the locals go, what is happening here? The men of the city said to Joash, that's dad. Bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal. And indeed, he has cut down the Asherah, which was beside it. What's wrong with this picture? Duh. Duh. This is like the world we're living in today. Everything is upside down, upside down. What is right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. These are the people of God. They're supposed to be worshiping only who? Jehovah. They have done exactly the thing that God said. You're bringing yourself out from under my protection. You're going to get clobbered. They do that, and now they're mad because their toy has just been disrupted. Bring him out so we can kill him. He is so uncool. I mean, isn't that really what's going on? Why are the children of Israel in this stupid condition? Because they're doing what everybody around them was doing. This is what everybody else is doing. How many times till uh, ad, ad nauseum? Everyone's doing it, Dad. Everyone's doing that, Mom. No, everybody isn't. Our morals are upside down. In fact, it's very interesting. If you read it, um, I think it's in this version. Verse 26. Let me just check. Verse 26. I think it's, yes. Verse 26. This isn't in my notes. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this, listen to this word, this stronghold in an orderly manner. You hear that? a stronghold. In other words, God's people had given a stronghold to the enemies of God by worshiping this false God. Don't automatically say, thank God, I'm not doing anything like that, because you may be. What happened with Dad? What was Dad's issue? Anybody pick up anything about Dad? I mean... yes. Dad finally some of you have been in my mentoring times. I think you've heard me say this before, but this is what happened. When they come to kill his son, for the first time, Dad snaps out of his coma. Dad has been living in stupidville for who knows how long. This false God was built on his property. He's going along with this. It's no different than the things that made the paper recently and last two years. You know, underage drinking in somebody's house. Oh, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Yes, it is. This is a stronghold, and you're cooperating with the enemy himself. And so there it is. So his dad finally snaps out of his coma. Wait a minute. What the heck am I doing? And he realizes, uh, hey, you know, if Baal's upset, let Baal choose him off. Let Baal have a fight with him. And that's where Gideon gets the name Jeroboam. He contends with Baal. He contends with this false, empty, stupid God. It doesn't exist. Isn't that fun? It wasn't fun. I, Dad, shame on him, you know? Shame. Gideon's wheels must have been going around, and that's why God pulls him aside and says, Hey, almighty War, valiant warrior. Hey, if I'm a valiant warrior, if you're with us, where are you? What's happening here? He goes, Now you're talking. Go in this your strength and deliver Israel. Let's set these things right that are all wrong. And that's just what he decided to do. It's a great story. I don't know. I like stories like this. Here's an example of what everybody's doing. This was great. This was an article that came out of um, World Magazine. Anybody ever heard of World Magazine? Pretty good stuff. This was uh, on their website. Sex and gender study. Less sex education leads to less sex. Now get out of town. Can't be true. Let me just read this in honor of our compatriots across the ocean. British teens report fewer pregnancies abortions after government cuts funding for teen pregnancy prevention programs. Teen pregnancies in England fell dramatically after cuts to sex education program funding, according to a new study. The analysis, published in the Journal of Health Economics last month, examined the effect of budget cuts to government-run teen pregnancy prevention programs, including sex ed, free condoms, access to morning after pill, all of that, in the last decade. The results surprised authors, and get this, frustrated sex ed advocates. Can't imagine that. Between 1999 and 2010, the British government poured hundreds of millions of pounds into expanded access to birth control sex ed through the National Teenage Pregnancy Strategy Program. Post-crash austerity cuts in 2008 slashed the program budget by 70 percent. Politicians and activists sounded the alarm. Rates of teen pregnancy would surely jump because of the funding cuts. Instead, England saw a nearly 50 percent drop in the under 18 conception rate between seven two 2007 and 2015 to the lowest level since, get the year, 1969. This is an editorial, this is free, sidebar. All this worship of what happened back in the 60s and 70s is off the mark. It was a nightmare that was ushered into our culture, a nightmare. And we're still reaping the havoc of it. Here's the final thing I wanted to read from this. So Gideon's dad would have gone along with that program. Gideon says it's time to cut. Cut the funding. Stop it. See what happens. Such a tool. Oh. England saw a 50% drop in the under 18 conception rate, the lowest level since 1969, leading the study's authors to conclude government initiatives to reduce teen pregnancy may be, quote, counterproductive. Their conclusion, more sex education, easier access to contraceptives is not just unhelpful, it's it's likely harmful, not just unhelpful, but actually harmful. That would be an example of where we're doing what everybody says we have to do, but it's not really based on reality. It's not based on the truth. God is so uncool. He's so mean. He's so uncool. He says, just don't do that. But everybody, yeah, have at it. See how it works for you. Now here, I'm really going to be rude now. He's so dumb. That's what we think sometimes. He doesn't know what he's doing. The Lord said to Gideon, anybody remember what happened? Gideon finally sounds a trumpet. He gets a whole bunch of people to gather together. And, in fact, the enemy army was 135,000 135,000 Midianites and Amalekites. He blows a trumpet and he ends up with 30,000 warriors. 30,000 against 135,000 enemy troops. And God just doesn't think clearly. It's obvious because he says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give midian into your hands, got too many. This isn't going to work out well. Israel will become boastful, saying, "My own power has delivered me." Now I don't know about you doing the math. Thirty thousand against one hundred and thirty-five thousand seems like that would be pretty amazing odds to overcome as it is. God says, "Not, not good enough." <laughs> I want it to be more spectacular than that. No good. So the first thing I want you to do is ask everybody who's got nervous, nervousness, their knees are shaking, They're, I don't know if I want to do this, Gideon. Send them home. So they send all them home. It's only 20,000. Now he's got 10,000. 10,000 to 135,000. God is so dumb. He says, no, nope, not good enough. Get rid of them too. Here's how we're going to sort it out. Everybody who drinks like this, we're gonna keep him, everyone who goes down facing the water, and people think, oh, it's because they were more alert. Eh, we don't know. It's it's God. It has nothing to do with how talented you are. Who are the best. That's the whole point. The whole point was I'm gonna use these guys. They're not even gonna to have to lift their sword to begin and win this fight. Anybody read the story? You know what happened. Smash the bottle, up comes the torch blow the trumpet, sword of the Lord and Gideon. Everybody freaks out in the camp. They kill each other. They start running for their life. It happens. Panic, friendly fire. They're all shooting each other. And then they go running and they just cut them down on the run. Didn't matter how clever they are. Didn't matter whether they were elite troops, Navy SEALs. They didn't need that. That's the whole point. Of course, we are smarter. We always want to help him out. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. Surely he doesn't. Israel will boast. In fact, here's the language in the Daily Bible. It says, if they get delivered, Israel will boast against me. Do you hear that? Israel will boast against me. I wonder, just a little bit of a concern, considering, things that I I pick up as a congregation occasionally, I wonder. Um, We have a tendency, we used to, we prayed about this at our solemn assembly of pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I wonder if sometimes God is holding back his authority, his power, because we've got this. We've got it. We're okay. No, we're not. Not left to ourselves. Not at all. The scripture perspective is completely different than the world's perspective. That's why there's so much emphasis in the scripture about having my mind renewed. So I see things from his perspective rather than the world's perspective. Because we can get it wrong. Paul talks about it. We preach Christ crucified. Here's the world's view. The Jews, he's a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, he's nonsense. To those who are the called, guess who that is? Who are the called? Yeah, the people who get it. The ones who have the light come on. Ah, I could have had a V8. Wow, I get it now. Jesus is my Savior. I get that. I'm going to trust that. Those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. We preach Christ crucified. His wisdom, his foolishness is wiser than men. No, we think he's dumb. He's got it wrong. We have to help him out. How do I serve him? I earn it. I have to do this to get God's approval. When the scripture says, no, not at all. You have to trust in it. Simply believe is for real. Oh, it can't be that simple to become a Christian. Yes, it can. How many people are saying, oh, that's just too stupid, that's too simple, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to commit myself to that. And actually, our, the eyes don't open until after we commit, because God plays his way, not your way. Now, you've got to explain it to me. No, I don't. <laughs> Can he? Yes, and he will, when our hearts are really seeking. Trust me with your money. Trust me. Honor me with your giving. Honor me with the first fruits of your crops and all of that and see what I do for you. Oh, no, no, that doesn't make any sense, especially in the situation I'm in right now. Okay, he's so dumb. Do it my way. No, God's way is unfair. It's restrictive. He's so mean. I don't think he really knows. I don't think he really has my best interest at heart. I'm not saying that I believe that. I think he does. But sometimes we're stuck there, right? Especially if there's some wound or event that has damaged us, which, by the way, is not not God, usually. I um, Somebody had asked me a question. I don't have time to unpack this, but they were asking about the, the Holocaust and whether any of the present-day rabbis or modern rabbis connected any of those dots with the old testament warnings and what i found when i looked up one of their famous uh, rabbi Lubavitch, this was what was interesting he said we can't possibly know what god had in his mind when all of that happened but here's what's interesting people who are mad at god are by default testifying they believe in him even though they want to deny him because they're so mad about it And the other thing was extremely insightful and that was this, if the Holocaust teaches us anything is that you shouldn't be trusting in the goodness of human nature by any means. If you haven't woken up and smelled the coffee on that one yet, sorry, that should be clear. No, God says do it this way, we are so, myself included, we're like, mmm, I want to do it that way. Surely he's dumb. He's so mean, so uncool, but you really have to follow his instructions to receive his blessing. Maybe the instruction you have to follow today is bow your knee to Jesus Christ as Lord and let him save you and begin your journey into eternal life. Maybe that's what you have to do today. I have a a very spiritual movie clip. Whenever I say that, you all start chuckling, but... You have to tune it way up. Penit man will pass. Penitin,
0: penitent. Penitative man. Penit man. Penit. penitent man is humble before God. Penit, penitent. Penit man. Penit man is humble. Kneels before God. Kneel!
2: Oh He's through (laughs) The penitent man must kneel What would happen if he didn't kneel? All over No, no, that's a dumb rule That's, That's dumb That's so uncool That's so mean I shouldn't have to humble myself and get on my knees No way Okay, have it your way Here's the last problem with God when he gets it wrong. He just gets it wrong. He's wrong. Okay? Ever notice he's wrong? He chooses Moses. Moses said, I can't talk. You got the wrong guy. I can't talk. And he said it just like that, too. I can't talk. Jonah, I want you to go to these people. No, not them. They're rotten people. They're our enemies. Ooh, they all need to be burned up in a nuclear holocaust. Got it? You got it wrong. How many times in the scripture? I'm not the guy, right? He's not the guy. I should be the guy. He always gets it wrong. He's so dumb. If if ever you should you have it illustrated, look at this guy Gideon. Nighttime, iconoclast, fleeces. They're ready to go to battle. He's still. Uh, uh, I don't know if I should do this. Did you read the story? God says to him, okay, if you're still unsure, you remember remember this? If you're still nervous, take your servant, Pua, go down to the campers down there, the happy campers down there. He goes down to the campsite of the enemy, and two men are talking. And the enemy says, I had a dream last night. It was really troubling. This tumbleweed ran into the camp, hit our tent, and the tent fell flat. And the other guy goes, this is nothing less than Gideon coming to clean our clock. That's not an exact quote, but it was pretty close. And, and it says, that time, Gideon bowed down and worshipped. Okay, enough second guessing. He goes back up, let's go do this, and they win. They deliver the Israelites from the oppression of their enemies. Really, from God's perspective, it was a bad choice. God chose 300. That's not a movie about Spartans, by the way. It's 300 warriors who win the day, start the battle, and get it. We have opinions about things. Oh, this guy, he's got so much talent. He's a great tennis player. He would be a fantastic Christian. Maybe maybe radically crash and burn because we take someone like that we make him a celebrity everybody whoa and three weeks later he's in trouble in some moral failure oh this would be this would be great he's not a leader he's too weak he's this he's that whatever our thoughts are we often get it wrong god does not go on the basis of degrees of doctorates wealth business acumen Whatever it might happen to be, how many people you killed when you were in Iran, that's not what it is. He chooses because God is the one who sees the heart, and we don't. He knows what he's doing. He's not really dumb. You should know by now that my whole sermon was sarcastic, right? He's so mean. He's so uncool. He's so dumb. He's so wrong. No, actually, he always is right. Sometimes inconvenient. Sometimes difficult to follow. Sometimes I have to swallow hard in order to say yes. But he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm just curious today. I mean, I wonder, are we like Gideon? You know, not me. You got the wrong guy. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly do that. I couldn't possibly step up and serve you in this way too many things could go wrong. Too many people won't, won't like it or whatever it is. And guess what? When he did what he was supposed to do, there were people who didn't like it. Even on God's family team, people who didn't like it, but they won the day. So there's always an opportunity. So let me ask you, is there a place in your own spirit where you're still convinced God got it wrong? He's still got it wrong. Maybe you need to do some business with God. Either starting your life with him or bringing your lifestyle and your household in order under his authority. Whatever it might happen to be, I'm inviting you to settle it. Pray. Maybe he'll speak to you today and you'll hear the two guys in the camp say, This is nothing less than Mr. Hedden winning the day with blah, 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 blah. And you'll bow down and worship and be thankful because he's doing something on your behalf and through you. So let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. I ask that you have a very safe and hopefully godly week-end holiday celebration. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your Holy Spirit to speak into our souls. My burden for us at Harmony is that. Some of what happened to Gideon's dad has happened here. Things are sometimes upside down. And we need to snap out of that and see where we're broken and finally say, let Baal contend with him, if there is such a thing. Lord, I'd rather be under your umbrella and have your authority and your blessing than all the approval of the world that gets it backwards and upside down. Help us with that, we pray. The altar will be open. I'll stay to pray with anyone who wants to. There is prayer meeting tonight. Lord, bless us with your safety and your angels. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're all dismissed.